This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hey, I'm Anif Baharuddin and you're tuned in to GG World Play, the show that looks at the world of video games. In this episode, we're going to be reviewing a game that was released last year, Ghost of Tsushima. But before that, here's a recap of the news from the past week. Thank you, Hanif. On to the news. My name's Daryl Ong, together with... Dutchman Johan. First up, the next sequel in the franchise, Resident Evil Village, or previously called Resident Evil 8, now has a release date. I won't let you down. Can someone please tell me what the hell is going on here? No. The place is full of nothing but blood and death. Capcom announced that the game will be released on the 7th of May this year on PS5, Xbox Series X, PC and also last-gen consoles, PS4 and Xbox One. You can pre-order the game now and if you have a PS5, you can even download the demo that's available exclusively to this platform. Yes, however, the demo will not put you in the shoes of protagonist Ethan Winters but a character called Maiden. According to the game's producer Pete Fabiano, the demo will not have combat but just like Resident Evil 7 beginning hour, the events of the demo will most likely relate or tie to the game in some way. And they are also currently working on a separate demo for all other platforms scheduled to be released in the spring. Besides Resident Evil Village, Capcom also announced Resident Evil Reverse, a multiplayer game that comes free with Village. Also announced is a Resident Evil crossover with Ubisoft, The Division 2, in conjunction with the 25th anniversary of Resident Evil. The collaboration comes in the form of Leon Kennedy RPD outfit that you can get by logging into the event in February from the 2nd of February to the 15th. Apart from that, going beyond games, Capcom also teased snippets of the previously announced Netflix animated movie Infinite Darkness, which is scheduled to come to the streaming service sometime this year. Of course, Capcom is also working on a Resident Evil TV series with Netflix, which will tell a brand new story in the universe. Showcase aside, Capcom together with four other publishers, Bandai Namco, Focus Home, Kosh Media, and Zenimax Bethesda, as well as the game distributor Valve, have been fined a total of 7.8 million euros by the European Union for geo-blocking PC games that are sold on Valve's platform Steam. So geo-blocking basically means forcing users in a country to only pay for the price of the game in the country's currency instead of letting them buy a cheaper version of the same game from a different country. For example, if you stay in France, geo-blocking means that you only can pay for the game according to the price set in France rather than the price of the game in Germany, which might be cheaper. Yeah, and geo-blocking is against the EU antitrust rules and this has resulted in the publishers being fined around 6.2 million euros while Valve, who chose, and I quote, you chose not to cooperate with the commission, were fined 
fined 1.6 million euro. Speaking of Valve, its co-founder Gabe Newell, or more affectionately known to PC gamers as Lord Gaben, uh, recently spoke to New Zealand's One News. He spoke about a bunch of things, including the possibility of moving Valve to New Zealand, as well as the country hosting Dota 2 and CSGO tournaments in the future. Right, and in the interview, he was also asked about, hmm, surprise, surprise, the third installment of a certain game, as well as Portal 3. And in his typical fashion, Newell avoided these questions expertly. Yeah, I know a lot of people are still waiting for Half-Life 3, right. but he did <laughs> confirm that Valve is indeed working on other games at the moment and will be announcing them when the time comes. Valve is well known for being very reticent when it comes to announcing games, with their most recent title being the critically acclaimed VR game Half-Life Alix. Let's wait and see what's installed when they do make an announcement. Half-Life fans, you can stay hopeful despite Lord Gaben's neutral comment on the subject. Moving on, another giant in the industry, Peter Moore, is coming home. The former executive at Sega, Microsoft and Electronic Arts previously left the industry to become the CEO of his boyhood club, Liverpool. And now after four years, one Champions League and one Premier League title later, he has joined engine maker Unity Technologies to lead its sports and live entertainment division as senior vice president and general manager. Moss, highly influential in the gaming world, spending a decade with Electronic Arts as its CEO, and also the president of EA Sports. Yes, and he was also once the president of Sega of America during the 1999 launch of the Dreamcast. And after the console's demise, he moved on to a Microsoft Xbox division and is best known for apparently guaranteeing Halo 2's launch date with a tattoo on his right arm. That's right, all the best, Peter Moore. Last story for the day is on Inner Sloth, the developer of the hugely popular quarantine hit among us, uh, they have released some updates on the state of the game moving forward. In a slot, which was made up of uh, three individuals back then, famously cancelled the sequel to Among Us to focus on improving the game. And after announcing a new airship map at last year's The Game Awards, the devs have announced their plans for the year. And in a blog post, Innerslot have outlined some key updates, including possibly coming up with a 2021 roadmap to transparently update gamers on their plans. They're also working on having accounts on the game, but according to the post, they didn't want the system to be half-baked before implementing, with the primary focus this time around being on moderation. Other updates include streamlining their behind-the-scenes process and restructuring the system that they have in place due to the success of the game. Indeed, it's not easy to develop a game like this with such a small team, so Innersloth is doing their best to make sure that they can cope with the nitty-gritty of things within the team before solely focusing on the game. All the best for the Among Us team. I mean, I'm personally curious to see whether they'll keep that core audience this year if things do end up changing. I think it's all just hype, but they have made some good moves like releasing the game on the Nintendo Switch and also the Xbox in the upcoming future. So who knows? We'll see. That was the news for the week. My name is Daryl Ong. And I'm Dachran Johan. Back to you, Hanif.
Thank you very much, Daryl and Dashran. Now, adding on to that, a couple more news that developed during the weekend. First up, Microsoft made a blunder over the weekend with an initial announcement of the changes in the pricing of its online service, Xbox Live Gold. They announced an increase of one US dollar for the one-month membership and five US dollar for the three-month membership, which means that the one-month membership would have been $10.99, while the three-month membership would have been $29.99. But what's worse is that the six-month membership's new price was set at $59.99, which technically means that if you want to subscribe to Xbox Live Gold for a year, you'd have to pay double that amount. Basically, 120 US dollars a year. It seems that Microsoft was probably doing this, especially to new or returning subscribers, to persuade people to subscribe to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which is priced at 14.99 US dollars a month. Unsurprisingly, the backlash was immediate, with gamers admonishing Microsoft for the move, especially during this difficult period we're in right now. And hours after the backlash, Microsoft decided to not proceed with the plan, cancelling it and apologizing to gamers for their mistake. On top of that, they also announced that free-to-play online games would now be available to play for free without subscription to Xbox Live Gold, which means that you can play Fortnite online without having to subscribe to Xbox Live Gold. Quite a news right there. And just a quick one, moving on to mobile esports, the M2 Mobile Legends Bang Bang World Championship 2020 in Singapore concluded late yesterday night with the team from the Philippines brand esports clinching the title after a close contest against Burmese Ghouls winning 4-3 in a best of 7 final. Malaysian team Toda only made it to the quarterfinals, losing to the eventual winner brand esports 2-1. Congratulations brand esports. Ghost of Tsushima is an open-world action-adventure game developed by Sucker Punch and published by Sony Interactive Entertainment. You play as Jin Sakai, a samurai from a noble family that tries to protect Tsushima Island during the first Mongol invasion of Japan. Yes, the game was technically released in the middle of last year, but join me and Najman Maliki as we review the game and determine whether it deserves a lot of praises last year. Let's start with how the game looks. The graphics of the game. So basically, in short, in short, it blew me away. So I, I'm playing this on my standard PS4 Slim, not Pro. So apparently, if you have an HDR TV and you're playing it on PS4 Pro, the HDR is going to just almost like, it's going to be mind-blowing because especially when you're walking through or riding through forests, you will see the light shining through between the leaves and HDR is definitely going to help you see that better but even without it I can tell you the graphics for this game is one of the best I've seen in recent history for a, a console game and yeah it's, it's really mind-blowing for me one thing I would like to know is I am the type of person who don't actually super like like super dark graphics imagine Bioshock mm. um, those kind of graphics don't really stand out to me I find that very uh, what's the word you, you get kind of like depressed playing those with those kind of lightings you know um, but Ghost of Tsushima I think pulled it really well um, at night when you're walking around the forest it's really dark but with the light of the moon even when, when it's cloudy you still feel like it's nice it's pretty so I think pulling off that level of graphic detail is really 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 difficult and they, they did it they really, really did it. For me, I think uh, in terms of fidelity, 
while this game is published uh, at the end of PS4's life cycle, it may not be as sharp as, for example, The Last of Us Part 2, which has, in terms of fidelity, is, mm. is, is astounding. It's almost 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 next gen uh, remember the unreal engine 5's uh, demo right i mean not to say that it's comparable to that but you can somehow look at the last of us part 2 and and say that oh, okay it's almost there it's almost hitting that unreal engine 5 mm. level of fidelity uh, but the thing about ghost of shishima is that while the fidelity is not as high what makes it so awesome is that i think the color palette and the kind of visuals that they use to portray the world of shishima right uh, and we have to i guess maybe describe the world of Tsushima in a bit. Yeah, so Ghost of Tsushima takes place in the 13th century and um, in terms of describing the place, uh, it takes place in, in Tsushima, the island of Tsushima, uh, near mainland Japan. And and what's interesting is that in terms of, like I guess, recreating that world, obviously, uh, it's the 13th century, meaning that you know, there are not a lot of buildings. I guess based on the real island of Tsushima, there are a lot of mountainous areas, a lot of you know grass fields, a lot of swampy areas and whatnot. Mm. And what I like about Ghost of Tsushima is that the kind of visuals, uh, visual style that they adopt, the kind of visual element that they play with, especially colors, especially during the day. Uh, you mentioned uh, at night, right? Um, the night side is is interesting, but for me, Ghost of Tsushima really shines during the day, and and that's because you can really see how the colors pop, and how mm. the color palettes uh, shine through when you you know when you're riding your horse through a field of flowers uh, you know pampas grass um, red flowers and whatnot and, 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 and the best thing about that is that um, not only it's colourful they also provide different areas uh, in different parts of the island right so so it doesn't feel repetitive in that sense I guess uh, in the first act you have a lot of um, typical grassfield areas with some you know foresty parts You move on to the second act. Um, you have a lot more swampy areas, and that's where I think there are a lot more like you know different kind of visual elements there. And then you move to the third part; it's kind of snowy there, and that's also like a different aspect of of elements that you can see. And um, I, I like that. Like like in terms of in terms of talking about visually, it's stunning in that sense. The way they play with the color palette is bright. It's wonderful, calming. Um, there are a lot of like. Um, the usage of wind effects and 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 um, this is I don't know maybe this slaps into the gameplay side of things as well, but Ghost of Tsushima tries their very best to not put so much um, heads-up display on the screen and it mm. utilizes this one uh, method uh, for instead of you uh, in a typical open world game sometimes you have to put a place marker and then you, you there'll be a, a mini map right for you to somehow use to get to your next des- destination but Ghost of Tsushima utilizes. Um, Visually, something that you can see uh, by playing with the wind, right? So you, what you have to do yep. is you swipe the touchpad, and then the wind will start flowing uh, a bit dramatically, but but it will start flowing in the direction for you to follow. Master, okay. And that combined with the world that he has created makes it a very like visually appealing scene beyond just the visual element. In the sense that you know how the world interact and whatnot, it feels very natural. It feels not so intrusive mm. and it feels very immersive in that sense in Ghost of Tsushima usually when you play games um, this is one of the things that's very actually going to slightly technical side when you are coding a game when you're developing a game it's very taxing for you to actually develop a game that's dynamic basically like um, an enemy is moving far in the distance and stuff and showing that to the player. So that's very difficult. But um, they've managed to do that in Ghost of Tsushima. So one of the stunning thing about this is that when you are up a hill, you can visually see an enemy 
uh, or rather an enemy raid to a village, right? So when an enemy raids a village, they usually burn the village down. When that happens, you would actually see atop that hill a small fire going off somewhere and you see smokes billowing. I think that's super awesome. And especially as Hanif mentioned, like during the day, uh, you can see the colors and the flowers Some parts of the island have specific flowers. So there's some blue flowers on the on one side and red flowers on the other side. You, on top of a very tall hill, would be able to see those color palettes, there's those flowers. It's it's really amazing for me, I think. Uh, one of the things that I also love about it, I guess, is um, graphically speaking, it looks, for lack of a better word, really cinematic. So the way they introduce some quests and stuff, They do have some cinematic shots, which also is amazing because they use in-game shots. So basically, whatever costume you don will appear in those cinematic shots. But in just your usual movement between point A to point B, it just looks so cinematic. But um, it's actually your your game world, right? So I think that's amazing for me. Thank you, Nash. Let's go for a short break. Coming up, we look at sound, music, and gameplay from Ghost of Tsushima. Stay tuned. This is Gigi Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Gigi Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. We've been talking about Ghost of Tsushima by Sucker Punch, an open-world action adventure game that was released on the PlayStation 4 last year. And moving on, let's hear what Najman Maliki and I think about the sound and music of the game. Let's move on to uh, music and sound. Um, what do you think of the sound of Ghost of Tsushima? So I, I, I definitely I'm going to touch on the sound first before I go to music. But for me, the the sound is is very much diverse. Actually, that's the word I would use. The chirps from the birds, the the way the fox sounds, even the sound of the horse that we ride on, they make multiple uh, different noises. I think that that makes it very um, immersive. When you go to a different area, when it's dense. Uh, swampy and it's in a dense forest the sound of your horse walking is going to be very different when the horse is running in the grass field for example so I think that's very good and one of the other things that I love is the sound of the arrows so um, I actually play on my normal TV screen and I think if you were to play with uh, a 7.1 speaker you definitely would feel this but even with the normal TV speakers I actually can hear where the arrows are coming from, which is great, I think, because it really helps me like identify where the enemies are, for example. Um, so I think that's something that they've nailed. And I find it very pleasing to like know the fact that when I fight a Mongol enemy, the sound of their sword clashing with mine is very different from the sound of the sort of a ronin or another samurai that I can fight with. Those are the very small things that I think that Sucker Punch really took into account and I think that's really, really great. Yeah. Uh, personally, uh, also moving forward from that, I guess the music then, personally for me, the music is awesome. <laughs> it's subtle, it's nice. When you move from a fight into a forest, the way it changes it's really subtle and nice but 
the scores itself is really really good i guess that's the beauty of like having like two composers working on a game but yeah uh it's one of the very very few games that after finishing it i actually look up for the soundtrack um the last game i did this was for final fantasy so Yeah. yeah, that's great. Uh, speaking speaking of sound, we also need to talk about the voice acting in the game. Only because uh, Ghost of Tsushima offers us multiple options in terms of playing the game. Um, of course, uh, you can play the game with uh, English uh, VOs, uh, and that's the default option. Considering that, I think the game in terms of the lip sync. The lip sync is done together with the uh, English VOs, uh, so that's the English option. But because uh, it's a samurai game uh, set in Japan, I think Sucker Punch is um, cognizant enough to also include uh, subtitles uh, with Japanese VOs. Uh, and also, uh, there's another mode called Kurosawa mode, which is a combination of Japanese VOs with uh, English subtitles and uh, black and white mode, right? Which is also quite interesting. But I think we both of us didn't end up choosing or playing with that mode. But uh, let's talk about the VOs uh, because I played the whole game with the Japanese VO uh, voiceovers uh, and you played the whole game with the English uh, VOs, right? Uh, yeah. So maybe you can describe uh, how it sounded like uh, with the English uh, voiceovers. My lord. Who goes there? I'm Lord Sakai. You must be our reinforcements. That is correct. I am Lord Sadamane Oga, Tanaman to the Shogun. Welcome to Tsushima. Thank you, Lord Sakai. The Shogun dispatched us the moment we received your message. Your uncle just issued the order. Actually, for about half an hour of my gameplay, I did play it with um, the uh, Japanese voiceover, and I love it. But I think I I was struggled trying to like read and and move my mouse around, so I decided to not do that. But the English voiceover feels very natural. The lip sync uh, works really well, and I think the um, the marriage between. The acting itself between the main character Jin Sakai and the, I guess, uh, the biggest antagonist in the series, which is Koton Khan, is really, really good. I think especially those two uh, voice actors, they've really portrayed the voices really well in the English mode. And yeah. I think um, one point to note for me is um, it's great that they stuck to some of the um, Japanese words for some of the things, right? For example, when they talk about the gods... Um, they don't actually say gods; they say kami. Uh, and when you hear uh, the voice actors pronouncing these Japanese words, you definitely know that these actors are are really, really good at either projecting a Japanese character or, yeah, they are half Japanese, perhaps. So, yeah. yeah, I played the game 100% using the Japanese uh, voiceovers. Are you Sakai Jin? I'm not that familiar with, you know, I don't watch a lot of Japanese movies and whatnot. Uh, but I think in terms of uh, the quality, uh, it was very good. It was more immersive, definitely. Like, uh, it puts me into that world of like, okay, so I'm playing a game that is set in Japan. Although, ironically, it was made by a Western studio. Sucker Punch is a Western studio. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, the fact that it was, uh, I guess, meticulous enough in giving us the option for Japanese voiceover, uh, it makes it more realistic in that sense, quote-unquote, right? Uh, I think the main character, Jin Sakai, was voiced by... I don't watch One Piece, but I think the main character, uh, Jin Sakai, was voiced by a character mm. called Ronoa Zoro or something like that, right? Really? Yeah. I yeah. did not know that. Apparently, I do watch One Piece, though. Yeah, if you, especially, <laughs> and especially if you watch One Piece in Japanese dub. Lah. Or, yeah, yeah, I do. I do watch yeah. One Piece in Japanese dub. I yeah. should have... <laughs> 
actually yeah I did, but I did not notice that when I was playing my 30 minutes stint Twitter Japanese voice acting but yeah. that is really interesting yeah anyway and for me I, I I like that I like the fact that playing the whole game in, in Japanese it just it just makes it more immersive I think all the characters did a, a good job uh, in terms of uh, their performances it's just that uh, unfortunately there is a slight hiccup in the sense of uh, lip sync lah only because the lip sync I think was created together in mind with the English voiceovers. So when you're playing with a subtitle and with Japanese VOs, it, it look a bit awkward sometimes because the voice doesn't match the mouth and whatnot. Uh, but I've managed to look past that because I, I know that you know it, the game was made with uh, English VOs in mind. So there's that. Um, let's move on to the next aspect, uh, gameplay. Yeah, so Ghost of Tsushima is an action-adventure open-world game. The combat is mostly 80% melee and you also have, um, sometimes you, use, you can use also use bow and arrow and also some other throwables, right? What I like about the gameplay is that I haven't played third-person uh, hack and slash in a while and calling it hack and slash is a bit simplistic because it's not the typical button-mashing hack and slash. Uh, there is a certain form of tactic. You have to approach the combat in a very tactical way. You have to be very meticulous. You can't really button-mash your way around. Because that's not how that's not how the combat works. Uh, there are a lot of like multiple systems, uh, stances that you can choose that will slowly be exposed and revealed to you as you progress. And I like that. I like the combination of the fact that the combat is not button mashing kind of combat. You know, yeah. you can they can easily do a simple like attack, a heavy attack, and a block parry button, but make it button mashy, right? But the fact that they make it a bit more, I guess, tactical in that sense makes it a lot more fun. <laughs> This may sound a bit meme-ish, but you know, it does make you feel like a samurai. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think they they definitely nailed that bit where it makes you feel like a a walking, breathing samurai. Um, and I love the fact that on that note, um, I love the fact that they use the reward kind of reward punishment system where if you do think about your tactics thoroughly. You get rewarded in terms of getting more, I guess, quote unquote, life, uh, because the way you actually heal yourself in the game is is dependent on how you actually fight. So the better you fight, the the more tactics that you use. You might use different weapons. You might use different arsenals that you have. Will actually help you heal better. So actually, if you wanna survive better in the game you actually have to think about your tactics better as well. So I think that's one really good way of uh, kind of uh, nudging you into into being a, a badass samurai, lah, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, of course, based on the story, which we'll, we'll, I think we'll, we'll I think touch a bit later, uh, the game is a samurai-based game, but it also allows you to also play uh, uh, using stealth, right? And that's the beauty of it. Uh, in certain missions, they ask you to be stealthy, but... Technically, you can always choose either way. And, and I like that. I like the fact that the options are there for you to choose, but you, they're not imposing you except for certain missions lah, where you are, you will be, it will be a game over if you are discovered. But other, other than mm-hmm. that, they allow you to, okay, feel free. Uh, we're going to give you all these tools. Uh, you can either be a straight up samurai and you can always level up your samurai skills uh, using all the points that you gain. Uh, but you can also level up your ghost skills. And it's called ghost. Basically, um, it's a bit like a shinobi ninja style, but... 
Um, they don't call it that. Uh, it's more of like a being stealthy and being a bit more sneaky uh, in terms of approaching it. And I like how they don't impose that to you. You can choose whenever you come to certain camps or certain uh, places where it has been occupied by enemy. You can always choose to confront them directly or you can choose to be stealthy about it. And yeah. based on the options, I tend to go... Initially, I tend to go straight up and uh, face them head on and that decision is made based on I guess the story as well when you, when you play the story you sort of, sort of understand okay oh, there, is a, there is a need to maybe confront your enemies head on because that's the quote-unquote honourable way right but you know and the more I played I realised that towards the end of latter part of the game I felt you know more comfortable maybe being stealthy maybe because the opponents are also slightly more difficult so and you, so you just want to pick them off one by one there is this one cool aspect where you can do like a showdown between you and your enemy called standoff mm. So once you reach a camp or once you bump into an enemy, the option will immediately appear. So you just have to press up and you can just choose to face them off um, head on um, using standoff or not, right? And standoff, as much as it's, it's simple on paper, you just have to, I guess, wait for them to make the first move and, you know, who's the fastest? You can get the first hit lah. But it's also a very um, risk-reward thing, right? Where if they hit you first, uh, your life meter will immediately deplete into very little, right? Uh, so wh- yeah. whereas if you if you manage to hit them first, you will be then be given the option to hit another, you know, at least two, minimum two, two other enemies, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and of course you can... kill them off right away. Yeah, and so. then you can kill them off right away and um, finishing the battle and also gain that resolve, the thing that you mentioned earlier, right? Where it will... Your play style, your combat style will be rewarded. So if you use standoff, you will easily get resolved. But initially, standoff was slightly easy uh, during the earlier part. I was like, okay, this gets slightly boring because it feels it feels like I'm nailing all of them. But mm-hmm. suddenly, I don't know, but maybe it's my concentration because they will sometimes fake their, their move. They're like trying to, you know, goad you like into thinking that they're going to attack you. And then when you release the triangle button first, they'll attack you lah. So you'll lose your life, right? There, uh, yeah, so- I totally agree on that bit as mm-hmm. well. Um, I find that it got a lot more difficult towards the... Later part, part of the game, game right? Yeah. Um, yeah, because they started to learn... Or rather, it's not... Uh, yeah, definitely this was um, planned. But the enemy started wearing shields in a different way so that that way you don't actually exactly see how they are going to move so you really have to see the slightest of movements before you decide to attack them right Mm. most of the time actually towards the latter part of the game i kind of like falter and then i will lose a lot of my health so i ended up actually i don't know whether i mean like this is this might be super funny but i ended up actually letting go of my controller and just like putting one finger on the triangle button and so that I know exactly when to like lift it rather than like holding it properly yeah. because that helps me in my concentration I was pushed to that point <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it was kind of fun yeah, initially I did take it for granted because I was like okay initially it's easy I won't say it's easy but it's just that you you keep on nailing it and but whatever it is it's always still a badass move as much as it looks simple in that sense yeah. uh, but but that was that was a nice aspect yeah but at the same time like I said earlier the game is flexible enough in allowing you um, multiple ways to approach things uh, and was the latter part of the game decided to go a bit more stealthy uh, just because I, I think you know sometimes it can get overwhelming if you get uh, a lot of enemies that come at once to attack you uh, as much as you have developed all the skills uh, it does um, become a bit more difficult um, not not in a in a very like weird and challenging in a very like oh just because you're in act 3 suddenly all the enemies are difficult they're beatable it's just that you have to be very tactical and very slow and very meticulous in, in I guess um, navigating those enemies um, one interesting thing um, 
as much as the combat is engaging and not that difficult to master um it's still quite challenging to sort of like parry you know i still sometimes struggle to parry even though i've unlocked uh, i guess a charm that can allow me to technically parry much easier but it's still difficult to parry but that's the beauty of it uh, if you play it the way it's intended to be played I guess it's it's, it's rewarding in that sense uh, instead of you know, yeah. blocking just blocking you can always parry and if you time your parry perfectly you'll be able to then counter attack and then it, it, it feels very engaging and tactical and technical in that sense but not too technical that it becomes a bit more I guess catered to you know hardcore players right you know casual players yeah. like us can also you know enjoy the tactical aspect of the game in, in that sense right um, mm. it's just a, some minor annoyances that I have with the game is that sometimes during combat the camera can be quite intrusive so sometimes mm. you, when you're about to fight then amazingly the camera is like you know awkwardly placed and even during standoff sometimes you know yeah, you'll, be, yeah, you'll yeah. be blocked by, by, by a tree and you, you oh can't really boy. see oh you can't really yeah you can't really oh see yeah you can't really see how the enemy that well so and you're trying to read the body language or trying to read the feed and whatnot but then because you're yeah blocked by by a tree or by other things that are at the forefront of your screen it looks a bit awkward and sometimes I struggle with that but other than that it's, it's, it's fine you know there are other elements you can always level up and the interesting thing about the leveling up is that I, I take my time I, I like to do all the side quests first before I guess uh, proceeding further into like a different act or whatnot um, which means that I by even before I get into the act three, which is the final act, I've you already to to <laughs> yeah, I've already uh, unlocked uh, almost all of the skills, and I've yeah, well, I I did go I I become I became Gold Sushima in act three, but uh, in terms of leveling up before you finish the game, I think even five ten hours before five hours before you finish the game, you already unlock everything, which uh, I welcome sometimes because there are games expect you to grind a lot before you are able to fully level up your character, right? In Ghost of Tsushima, the fact that you can level up your character 5 to 10 hours before you finish the game, it's kind of cool. Yeah, and I think the other cool part I love about that as well is um, once you are at that highest level in Ghost of Tsushima, you are still not that samurai god. Basically, you would still <laughs> struggle trying to defeat all the enemies, right? Because towards the latter part of the game, you will get skills that will actually help you if you are good at, say, parrying, for example, or if you're good at, say, dodging. So your skill will be definitely beneficial only if you're good at something. So it will still require some sort of technicalities there. It will actually make you become a, a better badass, I guess, <laughs> if you will, but in a, I guess, good flow. So even you're maxed out 10 hours before you finish the game, by the end of the game, you would still feel like, wow, that's a good challenge. That's a good fight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of like duels and boss fights, I guess, which are a bit more challenging on that front because it's an extension of the kind of battle that you usually face against other enemies, right? So if I may, I do have some gripes, I guess, some some issues with the gameplay. It's slight issue though. So in the game, you have some stances where you can actually choose different stance to fight different enemies, right? So with these kind of different stances, it helps you fight a an enemy with a sword, an enemy with a, um, a spear. But slight gripe I have is sometimes A stance help you fight an enemy with a shield but that stance helps supposed to help you with the enemies with the spear I do want to have that flexibility 
to use any stunts uh, against any enemies, which you still can. But I do feel some somewhat punished, or, or at least in the game, it can be slightly annoying when it will tell me like, "Oh, this is a an enemy with a shield. Use a different stance for this." That's a very small gripe for me, but um, yeah, it would be lovely if I can just like do whatever I want. Yeah, like, and and that part can be slightly annoying because because it as much as it gives you the flexibility, it somehow puts you in that box as well. Yeah, but in terms of the control, it's quite intuitive to actually change the stance. Uh, you mm. just have to like, oh, okay, you know, whenever you face this enemy, you change the stance. So it makes it makes the combat also made more fluid in that sense. You, know, when you can always just press over two buttons technically. You're able to change into different stunts and you know, deal with different types of enemies. Yeah, so yeah. so overall, I think Ghost of Tsushima's combat, while not may not be as technical as other games that we've heard out there in terms of, you know, your Dark Souls or your Sekiro, it's still serviceable. It's not basic and it's not very technical either. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, it makes the game fun to play. You know, combat is something that we we look forward to sometimes, you know. And even even the stealth aspect of the game, sometimes it's quite fun to just play and, you know, hide behind enemies and just uh, slowly... I, I think it's also out. worth noting that you, I mean, the game makes it look super cool <laughs> uh, defeating enemies. I mean, like, I played multiple games, uh, a lot of games, but this is one of the few that makes you look super duper 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 cool. I think. Hmm, yeah, in terms of the style. I mean, if you, yeah. if that's important to you, but it is, it is, it is, it is kind of cool. Yeah, it makes you feel as cliche as it sounds. It makes you feel like a, like a samurai, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. why you play the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about the general vibe of the game. What, what, what do you think of it? Like, you know, overall, I think we can you know, pretty much breeze through this part. Like, I, I feel like the game... I've heard a lot of hype about it, but of course, in the same year that you know, The Last of Us Part 2 was also being released, I did keep an eye on it and I decided to like, okay, you know, let's, let's play this game. Uh, my expectation wasn't that high, but I wasn't really looking forward to it that much, but I was pleasantly surprised and I was very, very, very impressed with you know how things pan out. And it feels like it is one of those games that from the start till the end delivers on a lot of fronts and, and many more. So, so I feel like I was pleasantly surprised and was hugely impressed by the overall package of the game from combat, from the general vibe of the game, from the story even, you know, as much as the story um, is, is, is a straight-up story. The overall package of the game is is that it's impressive for a AAA title from Sucker Punch and I, I thought that they, they delivered in that sense. Yeah, I think I think they definitely delivered in creating that AAA feel for me. But I do actually have to say um, I was maybe because of all the hype that uh, it got I kind of expected a wee bit more but that is basically I'm saying I'm literally saying here that I expect it to be 100% um, and it got like 97 which is still superbly exceptional and I think it is an exceptional game I think I was expecting the stars or the moon or whatever but it gave me the sky which is great <laughs> but yeah it's it's an overall Super fun game. Uh, yeah, I I have to agree with you, Anif. Um, I don't want to go down the cliche of saying like this is a contender for the game of the year, but huh, it is <laughs> for me at least a contender for the game of the year. Dad, 
that was our review of Ghost of Tsushima available now on PS4 and you can also play it on PS5. Do take note that our review just now focused solely on the single player experience. Ghost of Tsushima also has a multiplayer mode called Ghost of Tsushima Legends. And if you'd like us to review that as well, do tell us at ggwp at bfm.my. If you'd like to check out this episode again, you can find the podcast on bfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and also Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Hanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on. Till next time, GG Well Played. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.